Hi, everybody. It is Be Still Be Free and the Beecast. I am Monica. And I am Sarah. And we are here today to talk about Ruth yes. and Be Noble. So we have covered an introduction. We've covered chapter one. We've covered chapter two. If you have not listened to those, go back. Um, make sure that you do. And today we're covering chapter three. So we're doing this series a little different than we usually do. We've never done a just taken a book of the Bible and dissected it in this it. way. It's been fantastic. It's been fantastic. I love switching things up and mm-hmm. keeping y'all on your toes. <laughs> never know what to expect from us wild and crazy bee girls. <laughs> so wild and crazy. Um, so Sarah's going to talk with us about chapter three, kind of yes. lead us in discussion about all of that good stuff. <clears throat> so I decided this week I'm going to actually just kind of read the chapter and mm-hmm. talk about the verses and read a couple verses, Perfect. talk about the verses. Um, so we're going to start with um, introduction of how this chapter starts. It's Ruth and um, Naomi are starting to converse about going and presenting Ruth to Boaz. And in chapter as a, as a living sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice in chapter two we know that um you know he has recognized her and Mm -hmm. i love this that i I did i've read out of john piper and um oh who's the guy that we love david guzik yes and it was so fun to see how these two men kind of made this more into a romantic story than i would have thought these two guys would have done um and so one of them even alluded to the fact that when boaz said you know gather your grain from my fields and i'll even make sure that you're protected no one will mess with you that he was already flirting a little bit yeah and i thought how cool is that like how many times have i read this story and it was all just very black and white. Yeah. But there could have been actually some real romance that was yeah. all embedded in all of this. And one of them was saying that even when we talk about um, at the beginning here, when Naomi says, and he will tell you what to do, it's kind of like, and wait for more information to come. <laughs> you know, like, da, da, cliffhanger da, at the end of an episode. Tell you to do? I was like, oh, I've never read it that way. But it was yeah. more fun to read the chapter after thinking about them already having you know, flirted a little bit. One of the things that I had read, um, for chapter two, I think that's when that happened so that, um, it could have been love at first sight for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is awesome. And then, well, uh, I have some really cool stuff for oh, next gosh. week. Of course so, um, I, and I'm, I'm kind of, I wish I knew how old, how much older he was than her. Cause we don't really know that. Do we No, It never really tells us. AJ, nothing but a number. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a bump. But a, all right. So let's start off. Okay. So we're talking about Naomi and Ruth's conversation. I break this down. It's kind of like Naomi and Ruth's conversation, Ruth and Boaz's conversation. And then we end with Naomi and Ruth again. Okay. So I'm going to just read the first few verses. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where will, where you will be provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you were there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So let's just talk about a few things here and unpack these verses. First, Naomi remains concerned for Ruth's Mm -hmm. Ruth's future. All along, she always has. Yeah. From the time that they were leaving the, the land that they were at. And she says, go 
back. Don't right. come with me. I have nothing to offer you. Um, and then they get there and she even talks about being concerned about her future. What are we going to do for your future? How, mm-hmm. how can I even provide food for you to eat? And now she's saying again, okay, now I'm still planning right. for your future. I just think that's a beautiful, um, testament of their relationship. I do too. And I love that. Um, so like at the end of chapter two, it talked about how it was like six or seven weeks that mm-hmm. Ruth was in the fields working. And you can kind of see that Naomi's mood has improved over the course of those two months and how like maybe she was still very inwardly focused of like, call me bitter, call me Mara. Mm -hmm. Um, But being back home, being fed, knowing that her future is a little more taken care of, she can turn it back outward again like she did in the beginning and just be like, okay. Like I'm settled now. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to be okay now. Mm-hmm. So now I, I can pawn you. I can, I feel so good about leaving you and putting you out there. It's so interesting that you say that. Cause again, one of the guys had said when the commentaries mentioned that, um, she obviously was feeling hopeful because in depression, you don't make plans, right? You sit in your despair. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that she's starting to make plans and starting to think for the future means that she's coming out of that bitterness. I'm sure she's still grieving, but she's coming out of that bitterness. And I thought that's so true. When we are in our depression, when we are in our despair, we often do not make hopeful plans. Mm -hmm. We don't plan for the future. Mm -hmm. And obviously Ruth in her loyalty and commitment and love for Naomi help facilitate that. Yes. Yeah. So like Ruth stuck around, uh she saw her through it. She walked it with her Mm -hmm. literally and figuratively. And that, that enabled Naomi to be able to come up out of it. The importance of that committed relationship. You know, it's funny because everybody always talks about Boaz being the the kinsman redeemer and being more of the story of Christ with the church and God with us um, in that marriage relationship. But really Naomi and Ruth, Mm -hmm. But you look at the things that they had been through and even Ruth, you know, where you go, I will go where you stay, I will stay. Like that is the hardcore commitment of what marriage is supposed to look like. And, or even just what our, our spiritual relationship with people are supposed to look like. Um, Boaz and Ruth have gotten to know each other. So we just kind of laid the groundwork for this. It's been six or seven weeks. She's been gathering grain. Um, You know, he's out there. He sees her. He knows who she is. She knows who he is. And so this is where, you know, we're like, okay, this, this, this isn't like she's never met this man before and she's walking in and uncovering mm-hmm. his feet and laying down, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've got a, they've got some connection here. They've got some relationship. Um, let's talk about the winnowing barley part. So what exactly is that? It's a process done to separate the grain from the chaff. So um, and it, this was interesting too that I learned because they were doing it in the evening. And I'm like, why would they do it in the evening? There was a, a cool breeze that would come through in the evening. And so what they would do with these shovels or, and with their, with their um, hands, they would throw the grain up into the air and the wind would come through and it would blow away the, the chaff or the ch- chaff, I guess mm-hmm. is how you say it. And then the grain would would fall onto the threshing floor and they would just gather it up. Um, And so that's, that's the whole thing that's going on. We're at the end of the harvest. They're getting all the grain together and there's heaps of grain. Um, And so that's the whole reason that they're there this evening. Everybody is including Boaz because they're winnowing the barley. Um, I love that even in biblical times, women knew how to present themselves to men, Yeah, you know, not because um, who they were wasn't enough, but Naomi knew how to get a man to recognize you. Right. I thought, how interesting is that this little old woman Uh telling her daughter-in-law to go bathe, brush your hair, put on some perfume, wear something Mm -hmm. pretty. She knew how to appeal to a man's senses. Mm -hmm. 
And so I love this because I think it already begins so long ago to show the difference between men and women. We really, truly are created so very differently and there are needs. And it's not that you're throwing yourself at him. You're just preparing yourself for him Mm -hmm. to be recognized. I thought that was so good. Um, And after all, this is a romance story. Right. She does want him to marry her. So, you know, smelling good might help a little bit, a little bit, especially after working in the fields all day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They didn't have deodorant back then. Yeah. And then timing is everything. Naomi even tells Ruth when to approach Boaz. She doesn't say just walk in and sit down while he's feasting. She says, wait until he's done eating. Wait till he's done drinking. Had a little bit of wine. Had a little bit of wine. Feeling a little relaxed. Right, right. I think this kind of supports the fact that wine back there may not have just been grape juice like all the independent Baptists. No, man, it was not. Because it says that he went back relaxed. Yes. Yes. And so so she does that. Like, I love Ruth's willingness to trust Naomi's advice in all of this, right? Like she doesn't do anything against which Ruth or which Naomi has suggested right. to her to do. So she waits and then she goes and uncovers his feet and lies down. And this was customary in these days. And in fact, it still happens today in some of the Arab countries. Um, for servants to be allowed to lie down at the feet of their master. They could have also been uh, misunderstood as a very aggressive approach, right? Like you would think about if, if, um, Addie. And so I was telling you a story and I was like, yeah, Addie went and, um, to this guy's house and snuck into his room at night. And she laid at the base of his bed on the floor, you know, and pulled some of the covers. Yeah. What would you think about her? Oh yeah. Right. Or yeah. you're talking about one of, you know, a friend of, of Janus yes. or a friend of Addie's. I'd be like, don't hang out with her. Hussy. Like you do not sneak into <laughs> guys' rooms at night and sleep. Oh, and the, the, the bed, get on the bed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you do not do that. Like that is not acceptable. Um, but the cool thing about this is that Naomi and Ruth knew enough about Boaz to know that she was safe to do this, that he would not think badly of her mm-hmm. and that he would not try to take sexual advantage of her and right. be like, oh, she's offering herself to me tonight. I think I'll take it. Um, and I thought that was a beautiful thing, too. Like, uh, we're so quick to jump to conclusions and judge. I think there's a great story to say to us. Maybe we should be a little slower and mind our own business. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we might not know the whole story. Lots of times there's different layers to things that are happening now. I mean, if you find out my daughter goes in and lays at the foot of the bed of some kid, I want you to tell me I'm not okay with that. Yeah. But back then this was very customary that you were allowed to do this. Right. So I just, I just think that's incredible. And to, um, Boaz has seen her character and her integrity oh, over the next, over those past couple yes. months. So he, he would have known her intentions were not anything. That's exactly right. And not. he, in fact, um, in the next segment, he talks about her character. Mm-hmm. Like he talks about that, that the people know of her noble character. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. pretty That's where it comes huge. in. I knew that's it was exactly somewhere right. in the yeah. story. <laughs> um, so they're, they're very careful not to misinterpret each other's um, intentions. Ruth allows Boaz to lead. And Naomi says to let Boaz tell her what to do. So instead of Ruth showing up and being like, nope, I got a word and I'm going to speak it to you. And I know that you're supposed to do this and it's the law and I'm holding you to it. You know, she goes in and a very, the whole way that she approaches this is in a very submissive, humble role. Anytime you go in and take on that, which a servant would do, which is to lay at the feet of the, of the master, 
is a very humble role. And, you know, one of the things I always wondered about is why was Boaz sleeping there? He was the master. Why wasn't he back at the castle or at the palace or he was a servant leader? He was a servant leader. And a lot of the, the masters would sleep at this time of the harvest because there was so much to lose if they were to be robbed. And so I thought even then, like he's kind of a warrior in that because he's going to lead if somebody comes to take from him, mm-hmm. but he could have just been sleeping out in the, in the, in the house, right? right? He didn't have to be out there, but I thought it was very interesting. His willingness to take on that role for his people. Um, I'll tell you why next week. Oh, we're going to talk about it more. Okay. So let's move forward because I'm going to circle back around and we're going to talk about how we were talking about be Ruth or mm-hmm. be noble. We're going to talk about the things that she did and why we need to be like her in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, I was in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly and covered his feet and lay down. She didn't wake him up. Right. Right. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit is of great value in the eyes of the Lord. Right. I talk about that verse. This is unfading beauty of gentle and quietness. She didn't go in and go, I'm here, Boaz. It's me, Ruth. (laughs) Mary, Mary. No, she laid down in the middle of the night. Something startled the man. We don't know what it was, but he turned and there was a woman laying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are guardian and redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. (sighs) Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she laid his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. Man, there's just so many really cool mm-hmm. things here. So again, first of all, the master would often sleep at the site of the harvest to guard it and protect it. They knew this. They knew his, his character. They knew his commitment to his people. They knew that he would be there. He wakes up in the middle of the night and realizes someone is at his feet. So here's the other thing, you know, in my mind, all the years that I've painted this picture, I'm like, oh, he wakes up, he sees her down there. Oh, it's Ruth. But if remember, why is he sleeping out there? Because it is during these great times of harvest that they are often robbed and, mm-hmm. and the people come in and, and can, mm-hmm. you know, cause problems. So he's startled, which, you know, when you're startled in the middle of the night, you're already on guard. The right? adrenaline just shoots. Yeah, the adrenaline is going. Then he can't really make out what's going on, but he sees somebody sleeping at his feet and he doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know if it's somebody coming to rob him, kill him, right. or whatever. Um, but he takes the time to say, who are you? <laughs> and, I'm a robber. That's <laughs> right. I am Ruth. I'm a wee bandit. (laughs) And it's not like Ruth pops up and says, it's Ruth. And I'm here for you to marry. (laughs) Again, she just quietly says, it's your servant Ruth. (laughs) It's your servant Ruth. She calls herself a servant, which I think is just amazing. Okay. So she tells him who she is, but she's so humble about it that it just kind of sets the tone for Mm -hmm. the rest of the conversation. Again, 
Timing, mm-hmm. tone. tone. There's so many attributes of Ruth here. It reminded me a little bit of who was it that we um, talked about when we were doing Women of the Bible? She was married to that drunk king. I did it. Abigail. Abigail. And she married David. Mm-hmm. It was all about how she approached David on the mountain. The timing and the presentation. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. How she got down off her donkey, mm-hmm. how she was so humble, how she bowed to him. Yep. Um, and I, I don't find it funny. Yeah, I'm a very strong woman and I'm, I won't call myself a woman liver, but I'm a very strong, anything you can do, I can do kind of gal, but I've always been adamant that, um, there, there are ways to be, and there are ways not to be, and there are ways to have more success in a conversation. Absolutely. There's ways to approach situations that you don't have to come in on guard with a sword in your hand or in your mouth, even better trying to change the world. Well, the the book of Proverbs specifically, if you are looking for some advice on that, like the book of Proverbs is chock full of, uh, and I've used this verse ad nauseum, but a well-timed word is like a bowl of golden apples. And like, it's all about what you say, how you say it, when you say it. And Mm -hmm. so like Solomon knew. And so he probably learned that from his father too. It's just like, I saw this um, the other day and I've always loved it just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, she's, it's, it's the spirit in which she has presented yes. herself. That's so fantastic. Um, so she, so she's a, she's a servant and humble, but then she boldly gets to the point, right? She mm-hmm. says, please cover me with your garment. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, am I bothering you? Right. She just says, Hey, will you please cover me with your garment? couple of things here. One is cold outside. Will you please cover me with your garment? That was not uncommon that a, a master would wake up and, it, you know, you say a garment, but, you like know, they blanket. had blankets yeah. and bedding and so forth. And so, you know, can I just have this little corner of your of your bedspread? Mm-hmm. And so it was very common that they would do that for their servants to keep them warm at night. Um, and that was nothing to be thought of. But at the same time, it also was kind of like covering with your garment also meant Taking, cover me. taking care of you. Yeah. That's right. It was like a taking care of. And so basically what she's saying is, hey, will you cover me with your garment? Will you marry me? Mm-hmm. Like your whole garment, the garment of who you are. Um, he acknowledges that she has pursued him and is grateful for it. But he knows the age difference and appreciates that she would come to him. So I love this because he's like, hey, you know, because the kindness <laughs> is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not you have not run after the younger men. Yeah. Whether rich or poor. And so. He's saying, hey, I know you're younger than me, and I know you're beautiful, and I know you could have gone off and ran after young men. Thank you for not doing that. Thank you for coming to me. Thank you for being willing to take that risk. I think that's beautiful, too. Yeah, which is also another thing to say about her. Like, she wasn't just looking to get whatever fun was at her fingertips. Like, she could have, you know, made out with some guys in the wheat stalks or ran off with somebody just to have a good time in the moment, and she never did that. She never did that. And what's interesting is the wording that's used in this um, scripture is only used in one other place in Isaiah. And when it talks about that, the Lord covered the Israelites with his garment, mm. with his wing is basically the word that is used here. And so it's kind of interesting that these two stories so parallel Boaz with Ruth and, and God with the Israelites. Um, those are the only two times in the entire old Testament that this word is used mm. as word picture. Is nice. Used. I love that, that. Interesting. Um, okay. So he pays her a compliment. What's the compliment that he gives her? Hey, thanks for waiting. But then yeah. he also says your noble character, you're a woman of noble character. That's exactly right. So, Hey, I trust you. I know you. And I just want you to know that, that, 
Yeah. We're, we're having this conversation and yeah. it's okay. Boaz is a man of God and wants things to be done the right way. So he knows he needs to see about the other kinsman redeemer. And here's the cool thing. I've always wondered why he said, don't tell anybody. Don't, he didn't want anybody to tell, to know that she had come and asked him to be this because he didn't want word to get back to the other kinsman redeemer and then him want to take advantage of the situation. Right. So he knew that if he had a chance to go to the other kinsman redeemer first, mm-hmm. He would have a better chance of just getting the, no, I don't want to do that. Right. Instead of the, oh, I, I have to do that. Right? right. He went to the king or went to Boaz and it's my duty. And, right. and then it becomes a whole competition. Right. Right. That guy bows out, doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, but here's the cool thing. He lets her stay with him until the morning. So he's like, stay here, get up early, mm-hmm. go back to your house. And by the way, here's a whole six servings of barley yeah. for you to take back to Naomi. Yeah. Um, and then he sends her back with gifts. Okay. Take two on Naomi and Ruth's conversation. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Cause she's like, he loves you girl and he won't take care of it. Yeah. So real quick, be like Ruth, be influenced. Mm-hmm. Be in, be able to be influenced. She had Naomi in her life and she allowed Naomi to influence the heck out of her. Every time Naomi speaks into Ruth, Ruth is a listener. Mm-hmm. She's a learner. She's like, okay, I'm going to think I'm going to do what you're saying. You have a lot of wisdom. I think so many times that we think we know better than everybody else. And or we don't think that we need anybody else. You, this is incredible story about how younger women need older women, women pouring into their lives. Yes. Number two, be teachable. Ruth is teachable over and over and over again. She's teachable by God. She's teachable to Naomi. Like mm-hmm. she's teachable to Boaz, like even just the way of the land, the, the way that, that they, you know, she went and gathered grains and everything about Ruth all along the way. She had to learn new things. She had to learn new culture. She had to learn about a new God. She had to learn to live with a widowed mother-in-law. She had to learn how to fall in love again. She had, I mean, everything was this teachable moment and you never see her be resistant to it. She's very open to learning. Mm-hmm. Be humble. Okay, so Ruth was incredibly humble. She knew that that there was this guy that she had this kind of flirting relationship with and this connection with, but she handled it with such grace and integrity. You know, we can be bold women without being crass. We can be bold women without being aggressive. Aggressive. That's good. I'm going to use a different word. So that's a much better word. Um, Yeah, there. There's no pride. And I, I, I think I am going to say this. There's no pride in being identified as a bitch. Mm-hmm. What good, what, what goodness comes out of that? Right. I just don't think it does. There's nothing relational about that word. There's nothing restorative about that word. There's nothing about, that a good leader should ever want that has something to do with that word. Well, it, all it makes all it does is make people put walls up mm-hmm. before you even get close to them. Mm-hmm. So nothing, even if your intentions are good, if you have an aggressive, bitchy demeanor, yes. everyone's walls go up and everything is lost that you're trying to accomplish. Well, and I just think it, it's very important, again, to bring up this Bible verse, because even though it was talking about in a marriage relationship, the marriage <coughs> relationship is is 
an example of the relationship of Christ with the church. So as we are the church, the body of the church, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit is of great value of the eyes of the Lord. It doesn't say the unfading beauty of a strong, aggressive, bitchy, opinionated, you know, transformational woman is in great value of the eyes of the Lord. That's not the words that he used to describe what was of great value to him. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's important to say that because that Ruth was not that person. Right. I also think of Esther. Esther was not that person. Right. Um, but she was bold and daring. Yeah. You can be humble and still be bold and daring. Yes. And when he calls her um, a woman of noble character, I'm going to get into next week that word specifically. Okay, good. Because um, I felt bad, I didn't dive into no, the whole that's okay. Because I got so it. I didn't. Okay, yeah. good. So I, again, you know, it's like I tried to teach my daughter. Listen, it's not what you say; it's how you say it, mm-hmm. right? What you're saying isn't wrong. It's the spirit in which you're saying it that is wrong. Yeah. So you know, you can if if women could just. If we could master humility with yeah. boldness and being daring, yeah, it would be everybody would love you. Yeah, everybody would want to follow you. People yeah. would respect you. They don't respect bitches. Mm-mm. They don't. And the fact that that word has become acceptable again now more than ever just sickens me because so many women before us to to not have that word necessarily equated with us. And now it's just kind of coming back around again. And I'm like, no, that there's nothing beautiful about that. No. If anybody used that word to describe me, I'd be disappointed. Be accepting of the answer. Ruth was accepting of the answer. She didn't fight yep. anybody who had an answer for her. She didn't try to change it. She didn't try to tell Boaz, well, I think it would work better if we did this. Mm-hmm. Or I really think that um, it's okay for everybody to see that I was here because then they'll know that we're together. Why should we hide it? Yes. Be, I mean, that yes. whole tone of it's like, our why right. do we have to be embarrassed? Yeah. we ever. Who cares what everybody else thinks? Because mm-hmm. there was wisdom in not letting everybody else know their business. On multiple levels. On multiple levels. He didn't want her integrity tarnished mm-hmm. or her, he didn't want her to come across as being a cheap, that's right. Floozy. Yes. But he also he wanted to protect her. the relationship. Mm-hmm. He was protecting her, protecting the relationship, wisdom and the conversation he had to have with the kinsman redeemer. And then last Um, I want to read this verse. And then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, be still and wait. Mm -hmm. We've got to learn to be still in the moment. We don't always have to be fighting for an answer. We don't always have to be trying to figure everything out. We don't always have to be trying to control everything. We have to learn to sit still and wait for God then to do everything that he's supposed to do. It's yeah. not like, okay, you did it. Boom. Uh-huh. Sometimes there's still a process that has to happen that we act in obedience and then we wait for the answer. So that's kind of my draw on that for practical applications. They didn't print out. Um, <laughs> everything else is here, but not the practical application. Under her practical apps. I do know that one of them was um, the the six words that I described for Ruth. You know, are you influenceable? Yeah. Are you teachable? Are you humble? Are you bold or daring? Are you accepting? And are you willing to be still and wait? Is there somewhere there that you need to be honest with yourself and say, hey, I'm not doing a good job in that. And I need mm-hmm. I need to work on that. Mm-hmm. I would pick I would look at those and just say, where do I need to be growing in this? Um and so, and the other, I'll have the other practical application on our, our blog post so people can see it. Cause I'm sorry that I can't think of what it was, but, um, you know, it's just about becoming more of who we're supposed to be for God. I love that. 
That's what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And Ruth was becoming who she needed to be for God. I love that so Mm -hmm. much. There's so much to take away. There's so much. much. There were so many other things I could get into with that too. Like just the parallels between God and Israelites. Oh my goodness. Oh, there were so many things. Well, I even had to with next week, cut my note short. Yeah. There is, it's their short chapters. Oh, but there's so so much passage. 17 17 verses. I know. I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) extrapolate it all. Yes. Well, I'll pray for us. Okay. God, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you have for us, not even just as women, but just as children of God and what um, men and women can learn through the book of Ruth and from this chapter specifically. And I pray that everyone that's listening, Lord, would um, seek you in ways that they can develop this noble character that she had, that they can be humble and teachable and uh, willing and obedient in everything that Sarah had shared. Lord, I pray that you would just highlight the ways that we can demonstrate that even just today. Be with us as we go about our week. And we just love you so much. Amen. Amen.